All right. Second time to talk about Hannibal Part 2. Welcome to, to Skeezy D's. Fucking... So, where we're... Last we left our hero, he was um, marching over the Alps. He'd just beaten the Romans at a battle or something. Now, like, I'm, I'm not going to name the... Like, I'm going to name the big battle, but I'm not going to name most of the battles. Like, you can look this shit up. It's all on Wikipedia. It's all on fucking... I've got a book about it. Like, a book's, like, fucking 20 years old. It's still got all this information about it. This is going to blow your fucking mind, but do you know that this, this all this information is in a book written in, like, the 1700s called, like, the fucking Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, and it's, like, the audiobook is, like, 120 hours long. Like, just listen to that. Like, fuck me. Like, it, like Pliny the Elder wrote about this shit, I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know. Like, but whatever. Okay. Um, like, if you want the specifics, you can you can go do that. So, he won this first battle. And the Romans were like, Jesus, fuck. We need to do something about this. And so they send another army up north. Now, the battle that Hannibal won in that first battle would have been enough to defeat more or less any other Mediterranean power at the time. Like, if the Greeks suffered a loss of that many soldiers in one battle... That would basically... They'd be asking for peace. Um, if the Seleucids or the Egyptians had, had had suffered a similar defeat, they would be like, they'd be like, oh, oh please don't attack us. Um, the Romans were like, square the fuck up. Time for round two, bitch. I don't hear no bail. Um, and yeah, so like... The, the Romans march up. Now, Hannibal... One of the things about Hannibal that made him such an excellent commander is he had a very thorough understanding of Roman psychology. And he knew that the Romans would march an army up as quick as they could to try and beat him. And so he scouted out the route, and he was like, cool, okay, I know, they're going to be going along this lake to get to where I am. So he set up, like... A small part of his army at one end of the lake and he hid most of his army on the hill next to the lake and basically the Romans like completely unawares were like oh oh shit okay there's an army at the end of this road sweet let's march along this road um, <laughs> this is called the battle of lake something rather um, and so you've got this this huge snake of troops next to the lakeside marching along and they're like oh cool we're chasing this like force of Carthaginians and then another force of Carthaginians pops up behind them and they're like huh that's weird and then the whole Carthaginian army just like fucking pours down the slopes and this was a bit more brutal than the first battle the first battle there was like a column of soldiers who got away this second one most of them fucking die like it's really difficult for people to escape because they're, like, trapped against this lake. Um, I still think, like, you know, a, a fair number make it out, but most of them just get, like, fucking reamed. Um, now, this is the point where Rome goes into a bit of panic mode. Now, they've still got the manpower to raise another army. This is the insane thing about the Romans, is they keep posting legendary elves, and they still have the ability to raise more soldiers. Once again because they've got this this like weird economic system where 
um, they like basically every citizen can be a soldier um, and their like economy keeps on ticking over like largely thanks to the slaves um, and shit but it's a bit spicier um, so the Romans do something they haven't done for a long time and they elect a dictator so the a Roman political system was normally balanced between two consuls um, and the consuls would take turns um, making decisions. It was like a weird thing where like one consul had absolute authority one day and the other had absolute authority on the other. Like generally wherever a consul was they were in absolute charge unless there was another consul nearby. Um, oh, the, the alternating thing was if there was two consuls in the same place. Otherwise uh, whichever consul was present was in charge. So, so say one consul is in Rome and one consul has gone to Sicily. The consul in Sicily has absolute authority in Sicily. The consul in Rome has absolute authority in Rome. Um, now, this was backed up by a, like a concept the Romans had called Imperium, which was basically like above the law. Um, they thought this was necessary because they wanted their leaders to be able to make like quick decisions without having to worry about whether or not they'd be prosecuted for it afterwards. Now, they could still be prosecuted once they stopped being consul, but that was generally pretty rare. Um, of course, you know, we've heard about, I think I talked about Julius Caesar and all his bullshit, or maybe I didn't get up to that part in my Roman cast. Oh well. Um, but yeah, and the, the problem with the, con the consuls, though, was, um, you know, you had this, like, alternating thing. Um, so if you sent out two consuls with one army, um, then you had issues. I think the first battle had consul issues, because there was one consul who was like, we really shouldn't fight Hannibal. I think he's got a trap up his sleeve. And the other consul was like, fucking YOLO, Ken, um, and then got creamed. And so they were like, okay, well, we need one commander for our military um, so they can make, you know, responsible decisions. Um, and so they elect this guy called Fabian to the um, rank of dictator. Now, Fabian fully realized what Hannibal wanted. Hannibal wanted to destroy Roman armies. And the reason he wanted to destroy Roman armies was because every time he destroyed Roman armies, um, he could essentially um, he he could use that time to try and like build allies on the Italian peninsula. Like ultimately, what Hannibal wanted to do and what he failed at was he wanted to flip the Italian states against Rome. And use them to like make a lasting destruction of Rome. Um, he never sieged Rome, and I think if he'd done it, if he if he'd made that his goal, I think he actually probably would have defeated Rome. This is the thing where Hannibal ultimately his 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 failure was in his strategic approach. I think tactically he was absolutely brilliant, but strategically his flaw was he was trying to be a bit too clever. Um, 
there's like a pretty strong idea that oh he never really had the force to besiege Rome hence why he went around I think if he had if he had gone about with his goal to be to besieging Rome I think he could have got there it's like ultimately what falls apart for Hannibal is he never manages to make things such a crisis in Italy that they have to recall the armies from Spain and Spain was kind of the main locus of Hannibal's um, support um, and the generals there eventually defeat the Barakan forces. These are under Hannibal's brother. Um, I yeah, I definitely feel like if Hannibal had made things such a disaster in Rome that they couldn't adequately support their forces in Spain, um, then he would have done better. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so they win this lake battle. Fabian takes over the dictator. And Fabian, essentially, his thing is, he will not engage a Hannibal directly. Hannibal keeps on offering battles, Fabian does not take them. What he does is he always places himself in between Hannibal and what he wants on advantageous terrain. Now, this drives Romans insane. They fucking hate it because the thing is they're all about like glory charging and win the battle Fabian realizes that's exactly what Hannibal wants them to do so he keeps them back and there's one point where Fabian almost beats Hannibal there's like a there's like a valley where there's about seven ways um, to exit the valley um, and what Fabian does is he he basically blocks them all up. Um, and if he can like maintain this blockade, they can stop Hannibal once and for all. They can basically like crush him in this valley. What Hannibal does is they basically they've got all these captured oxen. They tie torches to the oxen's horns and sort of like kick them off in one direction. And so it looks like there's this army of Carthaginians trying to escape. Um, and the Romans will chase after it, but actually they're headed, they use, they don't light their torches and they sneak off in another direction. Um, eventually the Romans get so pissed that they promote the, like, the dictator's second in charge, called a master of horse. They promote him to co-dictator. Because they want, they want to see a fight. This co-dictator immediately goes off to fight Hannibal and gets fucking spanked. It's not one of the major big battles, but it's like, it's big enough to be pretty embarrassing. And then he's like, oh, okay, that's why you're doing this. And sort of chills out. Fabian hands on his dictatorship at the end of the year, having kept a Roman army in the year without defeat for a year. In the battle for a year without a defeat. In the war without a year without a battle or a defeat. Whatever. Um... So, that actually gives Rome a lot of breathing room. If Rome had lost that army that year, probably would have opened up Rome for a siege. But it doesn't happen. So now we move on to the next year, and I forget the guys who come in this time, um, but there's two consuls coming, and they basically come in on the promise of, like, 
we are going to raise the largest army Rome has ever seen and we are going to kick Hannibal's dick in. This is extremely popular with the peasants, uh, peasants, with like the voting public, um, most of whom aren't peasants. Um, and he wins by a landslide. He raises an army of like, I fucking forget the numbers, but it's like, it's legitimately a mind-bending number of soldiers. Now, And, and marches them against Hannibal. This is the Battle of Cani. Cani? And it is potentially one of the most wanked over battles in human history. Um, widely considered like a bit of a masterpiece. Um, but honestly pretty simple. So Hannibal was outnumbered like two to one. And he had to figure out, like, how do I beat the Romans? Um, and basically, the Romans and the Carthaginians would, like, line up and size each other up and shit. I don't know. What Hannibal did was he laid out his troops in a very specific way. I think he put his weakest troops in the middle... But behind them, he put some of his best. And then he put, like, average troops on on the wings, on the sides. The Romans saw this, and they were like, Oh, wow. If we can break through the middle, we've split his army in half, then we can, like, gobble up both sides. And so they put their strongest, heaviest armed soldiers in the middle. And they start fighting. But what Hannibal's done is he's basically arranged his forces. Imagine a kind of like a, a semicircle with um, the tip, the highest point of the semicircle facing the Romans. The Romans make contact with that and they push forward, they push forward, they push forward. And as they push forward, the semicircle slowly folds in until it completely envelops the Romans. Um, now, those soldiers in the middle who were, like, maybe a little bit more flighty, because they had these um, experienced soldiers behind them, they couldn't run away. Um, and they hold long enough so that now the Romans are completely surrounded and the Carthaginians push them in. And it gets to the point where the Romans can't even, like, swing their weapons. And the Carthaginians just fucking slaughter thousands of Romans. Um, very few Romans make it out of Cannae. Um, like, there are stories about, like, afterwards, and it's just, like, the swamp of blood and gore that is left behind. It is one of the most totalizing victories in human history. Um, like, absolute, absolute destruction for the Romans and then what does Hannibal do with this victory he fucks around he never capitalizes on this victory eventually uh, Scipio who's a young um, Roman noble um, he starts winning battles in Spain he eventually destroys the Barakid Empire there he removes Carthaginian influence and then he raises an army and he goes to Africa 
and this is the point where Hannibal has to abandon Italy to go back to Africa to defend Carthage and this is the point where we reach the Battle of Zama and this is Hannibal's downfall and it's it's kind of depressing um, the elephants don't do anything and the thing is Hannibal's lost the big thing that Scipio does is he convinces the Numidians to switch sides the Numidians were the best cavalry that Hannibal had without them he can't do half the shit he used to and the Battle of Zama is just this depressing slog where the Romans get to fight exactly the battle they want to fight basically just a stand up we march into each other and hack each other with swords there's no artistry to it um, and eventually the Carthaginians are forced from the field Scipio kicks them out of Carthage I think he like loots the city a little bit Carthaginians are forced into a humiliating peace where they have to agree to never raise an army again. Um, yeah. And that is sort of it for Hannibal. There is a very interesting side note. He goes off to the Seleucid Empire and ends up becoming sort of like an ornament for the, um, the court there. There is there's a, a really interesting point where the Seleucids go to war with the Romans and there's just this like there's this it's it's essentially every single classicist or historian fucking screams but the guy who rules the Seleucid Empire doesn't give Hannibal a command and it's like oh my god put him in charge of an army and you will humiliate the Romans but they don't they don't they don't do it he ends up just being in charge of like a couple of boats um, and doesn't really do much with it what is really interesting and this is like a fantastic moment in history and it's a kind of moment we generally don't get but Rome sends Scipio to uh, the Seleucid Empire as an amb ambassador and the king of the Seleucid Empire who was a bit of a troll puts Hannibal and Scipio next to each other at the dining table um, and they basically just like spend the whole evening roasting each other it's very fun but there's a point where Scipio is like basically fucking with Hannibal and he's like so Hannibal who would you say are the three greatest generals um, the three greatest generals of the ancient world Hannibal has a big think he's like well obviously we've got to put Alexander the Great first and Scipio's like well yes okay yes I heartily agree um, and then Hannibal has another big think he says um, I think Ferris, the king of Epirus, uh, I would have to chuck next. And this kind of passes off Scipio a bit, because Ferris was sort of one of the only generals able to sort of, like, beat the Romans around a fair bit. Um, and Scipio's like, uh, I, I don't agree, but I can see where you're coming from. And how about third, Hannibal? Uh, and Hannibal says, well, I am a modest man, but I would have to place myself third. And Scipio gets fucking pissed. Um, 
and he says, like, oh, what of me, um, the man who beat Hannibal? Um, oh, fuck. I've actually forgotten how it goes. But that Scipio, Scipio gets super pissed that, like, he he's ranked below Hannibal. Um... Fuck, what happened? What happens? Um, yeah, so Scipio's like, you're such a fucking um, thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's right. Scipio laughs. Like, he's basically like coping and seething. And he's like, um, Scipio's like, so, okay then. Well, what if you th- you had defeated me? Basically to be like, um, obviously you should be ranking me higher, um, because I beat you. And Hannibal replies, and he's like, oh, well, if I defeated, if I defeated you, I'd place myself first. Like, what an absolute fucking Chad. What an absolute Chad. Um, yeah, Hannibal is really fascinating. He's sort of like a bit of a specter for the Romans. The Romans never face someone like Hannibal again, but they're always terrified of facing someone like Hannibal again. There is no enemy that rises over the next 700 years that can beat the Romans at full throat, at full force. What ends up beating the Romans, the Romans end up beating themselves as as sort of like time goes on. Um, like Famously, the the Huns give them a kicking around. Um, the Goths give them a kicking around. But those battles are like... Are usually... The, the Romans are ultimately responsible for creating the conditions... Where those battles are lost. There's not like a concerted effort by... The forces coming in to sort of... Um attack Rome, if that makes sense. It's not like a, a war with an equal. Because um, Rome, from that point, has no equal. Um, there's like the, the Sassanids and the Persians. Um, but even then, like, they're never really able to project much power beyond their borders. Not to the extent where you had, like, Hannibal marching around in Rome. Um, it's only when Rome sort of atrophies that the Goths and the Huns are really able to um, get get in there. And then we see with, like, the Eastern Roman Empire, which was still going strong at this point, um, they kind of don't really care about those threats or something. Anyway, that's that's Hannah Balls. Hope you enjoyed it.